Chapter 9 Ernest forced himself to attend breakfast. One way or another, after drink or drugs, the meal helped. It helped to reinforce some kind of normality on his strange touring life. It helped his stomach. He had dark glasses on today, but he made it. As usual, Georgia and Henry were already there. He reluctantly walked over to their table and sensed an atmosphere. I can't find my sack, said Georgia straight off. He hesitated. Did she think he had it? Was it a question? We had it in the bar in town. I remember having it. I remember picking it up. I had it in the taxi. Her confidence trailed off. Yep, I remember it in the taxi, he said. You don't remember either of us getting it out of the taxi? His brain wouldn't work. Notwithstanding years of experience, he felt nauseous. I left it in the taxi, that's it. He decided to let her energy burn itself out. He sat down next to Henry. What can you recommend, Henry, he said. They tell me the pancakes are good here, Henry replied, faking seriousness. For no particular reason, Ernest ruffled the boy's hair. Maybe I'll give them a whirl. Ernest, are you listening? Some heads turned in the restaurant. Ernest gathered they were not used to such family situations at this time on a weekday. Did you add anything? Yes, I asked if you had a taxi receipt. Can you remember the name of the company? Ernest slurped at some orange juice. He could not. He shook his head. Right, finish your breakfast. We're going to go back to the bar and ask them which taxi company they use. They dialed for us, remember? Ernest, to be truthful, did not. Memories surfaced of some large whiskies at the bar after his first drug deal, a celebration of a successful law breakage. He recalled a bottle being emptied and the barman cheering as he tossed it into the recycling container. Henry, Esme can take you out this morning. I'm really sorry, honey, but I need to know where that sax is or we'll be in big trouble tonight. Fuck, it's only the second night. Oh, sorry, Henry. You already know not to use that word. Ernest's low morale sank a little more. He needed to return to bed. Their first night had been a success. Georgia had lost her sax. It wasn't the end of the world, and it certainly wasn't his fault. It couldn't have been his fault. She had it in the taxi, he was sure of it. And now she was going to drag him around town, rushing his breakfast down, and somehow trying to keep it there. Try not to worry, he said, failing to convince himself. Let's just go, she said. I need that sax back here. I'll take Henry back upstairs and tell Esme we're going out. You can sober up. While he waited for Georgia, Ernest checked with reception which taxi firm they used. Nobody on the desk had been working last night. Nobody saw him and Georgia return, with or without a saxophone. Well, it was worth a try. He slumped into a chair and immediately stood up again. No time for rest. Come on, shouted Georgia, as she swooped through the reception hall without slowing down. In the taxi, Georgia started her inquiries immediately. Your firm isn't used by the Magna Lounge, is it? She asked the driver from the front seat. Ernest lolled in the back, not bothering with a seatbelt, grateful for the respite, but fearful for his stomach at every bump and swerve. The driver shook his head and grunted. When the car finally reached the bar, Ernest was out cold, snoring in the back. Georgia flung his door open, slapped his face and dragged him to his feet. We're here, and you're not exactly helping. Have we got the sacks? No, we just arrived. 
they stood in front of the resolutely closed doors of the Magna Lounge. The place was in darkness, which came as no surprise to Ernest. It wasn't the kind of place that bothered with breakfast, and would no doubt have to make strenuous efforts just to be open in time for lunch. Does it even open during the day, he asked. Too late for that kind of insight, she replied, folding his arms. Too late for that kind of insight, she replied, folding her arms. She knocked on the door and then rattled the letterbox for a louder impact. Nobody home, he said. Bit early for lunch, shall we grab a coffee? Not so fast. We need that sax and I need that sax now. Every minute that goes by without it, I get more anxious. We only played one night for fuck's sake. No need to rush. What's another hour? The staff are more likely to be here then. You look like you could use another hour of sobering up time. What on earth happened last night? You were fine when I left you. Georgia pushed past him and stalked off towards a coffee shop. Once inside, he folded himself into the nearest chair by the window and muttered something that might have been cappuccino. Georgia sighed again and went to get one. Ernest was slumped so far back in his chair that his chin was barely higher than the tabletop. You're not taking this very seriously, she observed. What, the great sax hunt? It's not the... Just don't say it. You're not taking any of this very seriously. One night. One night and you're drunk. We had very small, very deserved, celebratory drink to make the first milestone on a very long tour. That was it. And you obviously carried on all night. You put the whole thing in jeopardy. Ernest sighed, weighing this in his head. Well, I'm not the one who lost my instrument, he said, his voice totally level. He wasn't trying to wind her up, but there was no escaping this fact, and it needed mentioning. Right. Well, we'll get back to the bar in an hour, and find it, and then we can start today again. But misplacing an instrument is an accident. Getting pissed is a deliberate act. It looks to me like sabotage. This was not the time to mention the drug money or the poker money. Even in Ernest's blunted state, he could see that. It would explain his laid-back attitude, but it would raise far too many questions that were even harder to set straight. He had an easier angle in mind. It's not a major issue if we don't have the sax tonight. You can do backing or percussion, keys. We can borrow a sax. We can hire one. Let's do that. If nobody's there in an hour, we'll hire one in town. For how long? We're not even in Leeds tomorrow. Should I hire one in every town we visit? The fingering will oh, it'll be all wrong can't just switch horses every night. Just take it from me that I need that sax back yesterday. He sipped his coffee in silence. It wasn't like Georgia to leave something behind. Not something important like that. If it was that important to her, she would have triple checked before they left the bar and again before they left the taxi. It wasn't like him to be so easy to distract from their work and it wasn't like her to do this either. If he had to think about it, he would say that him straying onto the drink was far more likely. Georgia losing her sacks was almost unbelievable. They walked around the side streets for a while. Ernest tried to take her mind off the missing sacks, prompting her for various shops she might like to go in, ranging from clothing to pianos and books. She gave a good impression of a shopper, but she was clearly distracted. Let's try the bar again, he said eventually. They walked back to Magna Lounge, which was still locked but was no longer in darkness. 
Georgia rattled the letterbox and tapped on the window. After a few minutes, an old man approached the door with a mop in his hand. He took forever to unlock the door. Yes? Sorry to bother you, Ernest started. We were here last night, and we think we might have left a saxophone here. I haven't seen one. Georgia grunted. Is there a lost property or something? she asked. We sat at the bar. Maybe it's still there in the shadows or something. Well, it's not. I've already mopped under there. The man made to return back into the bar. It might be in a black box, like a hard suitcase. The man shook his head again. Do you happen to know the name of the cab firm you use? asked Ernest. Could be a couple. Tailors. Magic. They're the two we use. Great. So they now needed to follow up with two companies. Instead of closing down leads, they were multiplying. Can you describe their logos, their colour schemes? What's this, a memory game? It might help us remember which car took us. You mean you're not from around here? Well then, Taylor's cars have a huge T on the side, and their sign is black and white. Magic is the full word, but in cartoon writing or something. Is it blue? asked Georgia, looking confident. Yes, so there's your answer. The man withdrew into the bar and closed the door. He didn't even offer directions, the old bastard. Let's head back into town. I'll find them on my phone in a second. A few minutes later, they were at the office of Magic Cars. Georgia explained the story. The man raised an eyebrow at the mention of a saxophone. We don't see many passengers with one of those, he said. Right, so your driver would very likely remember it, right? If it had been found in his car, or if someone had handed it in. Well, we don't have one of those in the office. I doubt it was handed in. Could we speak to the driver? He's not likely to be working now if he picked you up that late. Well, let's see. It's important. Georgia awkwardly slipped a £20 note across the counter. The man sighed and started typing on his computer. Around midnight at the Magna Lounge. Here we are. Dave. Yeah, he's working as it happens, covering for another driver who's sick. I'll get him on radio and you can have a chat. Dave remembered them, but he did not remember any saxophone. It had been dark, he pointed out, and they sat in the back together. And they went to the Crown Plaza Hotel. Georgia nodded and confirmed all of this. Dave was obviously their man. But you didn't see a saxophone? Nope. This sounded implausible. Ernest gestured that Georgia should hand him the phone. Hi, Dave. I'm Ernest. You sure you don't remember any saxophone? We checked at Magna and they don't have it. Georgia looked progressively crosser. Surely he didn't fence it, she said in a stage whisper. OK, Dave. Let me ask you in a different way. You didn't see any sax, right? Big brass yellow instrument. You can see it a mile away, even in the dark. Nope. By any chance, were either of us carrying a black box with a handle on it, like a hard suitcase? Ah, oh, yes, you carried that. Looked heavy. Jesus Christ. Georgia paced out of the office in frustration. Thanks, Dave, you've been very helpful. And that box, it's not in your car. No, no, it was huge. I would have seen it. Did you have any other passengers after us? Maybe they could have taken it by mistake. Yeah, several, but I'm sure someone would have mentioned it if you left it behind. It was quite distinctive. 
Ernest handed the phone back to the telephone operator and followed Georgia out of the office, gulping at the fresh air alongside her. So, we had it in the taxi, but nobody knows whether we ever took it out again. We must have left it in the car and some total fuck stole it. They were curious, they looked inside, they worked out it was worth a few quid and sold it down the pub. Hell, Ernest, I'm so stupid. And that was the thing that Ernest came back to. Neither of them were drunk. Tired, yes, but not negligent. If the sacks had been in the car, he was certain they took it into the hotel, which meant it was most likely in the back of a cupboard in George's room. Don't look at me like that, she said. I made Henry and Esme turn our room upside down. It's not there, let me tell you. Then it's a little mystery. We can't spend any more time looking here. Our investigations suggest that, however unlikely it seems, the sacks made it back to the hotel. So it's still there. As Ernest spoke, he had an inkling. Nothing he could be specific about but a sense of unease. Something remembered was trying to make its way through his hungover mind. He shrugged and asked for another taxi back to the hotel. The afternoon was uncomfortable and endless. Georgia could not rest or settle. She paced around the hotel. Wherever Ernest hid, she found him. He even resorted to using the hammock in the beer garden, wrapped up in his coat, but she found him there as well. Something about this whole episode was bothering him. The evidence suggested that one of them had carried the sacks into the hotel last night, but beyond that he drew a blank. Surely Georgia had just carried it straight up to bed. It would be found under a blanket or a towel, but they had all turned the room over more than once. The band manager had taken the news well. Ernest volunteered to go and tell him. They didn't have a spare she could borrow for tonight, but they could arrange one for later in the tour. Luckily she was a multi-instrumentalist, so could help out on percussion and carry on with her keyboard parts and backing vocals. It hadn't relaxed Georgia, of course. She was attached to that old sax, and the longer this went on, the more likely she would never see it again. After the show, Georgia put a brave face on the day. Thanks for keeping me positive today, she said as they arrived back at the hotel. I feel so stupid. I know it looks like I lost it, but I just can't understand it. Ernest kissed her on the forehead and said goodnight, but stayed back for a nightcap. Just the one, Georgia said, loudly and looked pointedly at the bar manager. Just the one, and thanks for putting up with my crazy expedition this morning. You were right, it wasn't so bad without the sax, but I'm going to get it back. That sax travelled the world with me for years. I'm not leaving it in Leeds. Night, Georgia. As soon as she was out of sight... Ernest called his buyer from the night before. Ernest needed to chase up another batch and remind the guy he was leaving town in the morning. How did the merch go down last night? Ernest started off. It's top quality. Yeah, the guys loved it. I will take another brick off you. You're leaving town tomorrow, right? One more jazz performance, isn't it? Now that was an odd thing to say. What? It's jazz you play, isn't it? You had a sax with you in the bar last night. You had it in the gents too, like it was valuable or something. I did. None of this added up. If he had it in the gents, then where was it now? The man sounded like he was rambling on a bit too much. If he had the sacks in the gents, then either it was still there, or it had been handed in. Maybe the receptionist at breakfast had been mistaken. Ernest decided to mention it to the bar manager. 
Hey, come and collect that last brick as soon as you can. I won't be here tomorrow night. I'll see you in half an hour. Same script as last time. Ernest ended the call. Back at the bar, he waited for the manager to see him. You didn't see me with a saxophone last night. The man shook his head. Actually, it was just a black box like a suitcase. It doesn't look like a sax. Oh yes, I did see you with that. It hasn't been handed in? It went missing later on. I've been looking for it. It wasn't handed in last night, no, and I didn't see whether you took it to your room or not. Ernest took a seat at the table. All of this saxophone hunting was distracting them from the real things. All he had established was that one of them had brought the sax into the hotel. For some reason, Georgia had forgotten to take it with her, and Ernest had carried it into the gents. Presumably with the intention of taking it straight up to her after his contact had left. Unfortunately, nobody had seen it after he took it inside the toilets, and he still had no recollection of ever carrying it with him. Another drink wasn't the answer. This mess was partly his fault, and drink was the reason he had forgotten all about the sacks. He had the notion that his contact had stolen it, but there was no motive, and the man would hardly have mentioned it on the phone if it was him. But then, that is exactly what a guilty party would do to cover his tracks. Exonerate himself by hiding in plain sight, invisible in his sheer audacious visibility. Well, it was a ridiculous idea. Shifting a saxophone wasn't easy. Not many people wanted one, and fewer still could play one. Nobody else had recognised the black case as being a sax, not the taxi driver, not the manager of the bar, only the dealer in the gents. Perhaps he had opened it, thinking it might be money, with an idea to steal it. But when he saw it was just an instrument, he fastened the case back up and left. That seemed plausible. Unless he just happened to be a jazz saxophonist, which would give him a reason to borrow it. He would recognise it to be top quality. Maybe he could sense it was old and valuable, but that seemed the least likely scenario of them all. When the man returned, Ernest was on him straight away. He was tired, and he wanted this whole situation resolved. How did you know there was a saxophone in the black case? He asked the man. They were still in the gents after making their next exchange. Huh? It was just a black case, a suitcase. Could have been anything. Nobody else thought it was a sax. Nobody else? What is this, a pub quiz? The man was backing towards the door. Maybe you were curious and opened it. I'm not suggesting you have it. It's pretty much useless unless you can play it. It's not worth anything. I've got another appointment. Look, I did open the case. I was curious. But I closed it up again. It was still in here when I last saw it. The man left. Outside, Ernest returned to his chair in the bar. Sitting there was Esme, with tears dried on her cheeks. God, she won't let it go, she said. On the floor at her feet was the lost saxophone case. Is your sister's sax in that case, he asked. Esme nodded. It was stupid. Pure spite. Ironically, I was jealous that the concerts had started and I was on my own with Henry but the first thing she did was waltz off into town with you and leave me with Henry again. What a waste of a day. Even though Esme was not looking forward to the childcare, this was a new low. Sabotage. I wonder if you should take Henry back to London so that you can look after him with your family, said Ernest. Part of me wants to. I suggested it to Georgia again earlier, but she won't leave him. She wants him close. 
This was completely wrong. You ruined tonight's show for Georgia, got me blamed for it, and wasted our morning. Now we need to tell her before she loses any sleep. It's okay, she was asleep when I just left. I think she's exhausted. Take it back to your room. This is the story you tell her in the morning. I, Ernest, accidentally left it in the gents last night and found it there tonight when I went back in there. Blame the drink, everyone else does. At least I'm getting blamed for losing it, I can't get the credit for finding it. Say as little as possible and don't do anything like this again. Esme sniffed and nodded. When exactly did you steal the sacks? he asked. After you came out of the gents and went back to the bar, you left it by this table on your way. I happened to be walking through. Looking for me? Of course. You know, the funniest thing is that I think you were in the gents with that same man last night. The one who just left, looking suspicious. Jesus Christ.